Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Miles Chapman from Letchworth, and you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, do you like roller coasters? Okay, here comes the show, and remember, question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka the Hizzer. Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from... We are talking everything from uh, Miles, uh, from Letchworth's question. Do you like roller coasters? No. That's the answer for me. <laughs> no, I don't want to be anywhere in the air. And uh, there's a couple of roller coasters that are quite near the ground. I can deal with those. But the ones that I look at and they're all... No chance. Dame... I, used to, I do have a bit where I say I don't necessarily like roller coasters and I don't think it's that I don't like roller coasters I think I'm just weary of roller coaster maintenance like if a roller coaster is well maintained I'm cool with it but I don't want to be like have severe any severe kind of injury and then be down to a roller coaster where it was like elective like yeah. if I'm flying on a plane or if I'm involved in a car accident God forbid but if it happens that could be a part of my normal life yeah. whereas my MO does not really include going on roller coasters mm. so if I get injured on one of those I feel bad that being said I know they're not terrible, but it's like I'll do theme park roller coasters, but maybe right. not fairground roller coasters. Because if something happens on a fairground roller coaster, they can just pack up and they're out of the park or clearing. Whereas I can sue the two swords group if something happens to me at a theme park. I feel bad. At the same time, I feel like, you know, people get to an age where they're like, they want to do skydiving and bungee jumping and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd rather do roller coasters because, again, it's someone I can sue right. and I can kind of see where the end of that ride is. And there's good. probably a few more I have to do. So that's a I'm good not answer. the biggest fan of roller coasters, but i got to do the Incredible Hulk one. There's right. the one that tips off of the side of a building in Las Vegas. And I'm, I'm sure there's probably one in China that I've got to do before I call it a day. Yeah, none of them for me. How it says, uh, none for me. Yeah, for me. Uh, <laughs> but thank you, Miles. And uh, hey, on this show, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dave? Absolutely. No question is too intelligent or too dumb, not too many crests or troughs. And no question is too thrilling or white knuckle in nature. And if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode or subscribe to us on Acast, the world's biggest podcast network, where you can hear all of the very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is a British TV presenter and a gem in the alumni of South East London. She is well known by millions for her work on ITV News. And since 2021, she's also been an anchor on ITV's massively popular show, Loose Women. And for the past two years, she's been listed in the top 100 of the most influential people in the UK of African and Afro-Caribbean descent. And also, she's my older, to whom I must show respect and reverence. So- I can't believe you just said that. I'm not that much older than you. I didn't say you were old. I said you were my older. Oh my god, by literally a couple of years. From the perspective of mentorship and guidance. If you don't know already, guys, that saccharine, 
intellectual and somewhat authoritative tone is coming from our guest today. Please welcome to the show, Ms. Charlene White. Hi. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, slightly, infinitesimally, slightly older sis. (laughs) (laughs) But like a day, if even a day, maybe even like a phase of the sun during the day. That's how small we're talking. We're talking a millimeter on a sundial in terms of but, but the way the way you set me up was as though you're going to start calling me auntie halfway through the podcast <laughs> like i was super <laughs> older than you listen i'm sure that you are somebody's very supportive and inspirational auntie somewhere but to me you're like you know one of the cool older girls trying to curry their favor and you know trying to trying to feed positively off your popularity in this uh well, in this Dave, community of ours for almost 20 years yeah <laughs> this is what i mean that. And there's no shame in my game, Charlie. It's almost 30 years, almost 30 years. I lie, almost 30 years. There you go, exactly. And there is no shame in my game. How, like, Charlene has watched me literally go from a boy to a man and has remained uh, steadfast in her support and also providing a good spirit animal and um, definitely uh, setting a beaten path for myself and a lot of our peers from our community to follow in. Wow. Um, And do you like roller coasters? Not to, you know, the rest is important too, but... How do you feel about oh no, that? I love roller coasters. I absolutely love roller coasters. And there's a group of guys that Dane and I grew up with. Um, during our teenage years, we'd often do things like group trips to Orton Towers, Chesington, Thorpe Park, Disneyland, Disney World. We'd right. just do group trips where we would just get up and just kind of go to theme parks and hang out for the day. So, yeah, no, I love a, I love a roller coaster. Oh, right, okay. How pure positivity and, you know, also just... Just a roller coaster of being involved in reporting the news in a in a yeah. in a, in a post populist um, landscape. Yeah, it's the, roller coaster um, the itself. last few years. Yeah, the last few years, possibly the busiest that I've ever known it in terms of the news cycle just being continuous. And yeah, it's like a roller coaster. It's, it's not, not an easy ride to get off, as well, is it? Really, it's not. not at all. I mean, I mean, the new the news cycle. I guess I guess news as a, as a as a genre of um, broadcast media has probably one been one of the, the biggest growing ones over the last, like, I suppose, especially over the last maybe, yeah, half decade. Mm. Well, yeah, and because the way explosion. in which we consume it, yeah. um, we consume it so many different ways through so many different genres. And, you know, when I started, this all age me, there was no internet. So you got your news from newspapers or by listening to, to Sir Trev, watching Sir Trev or listening to it on the radio. There, wouldn't, there was no other way mm. to get your news. And it's been, I think, quite beautiful to see the myriad of different ways you can now get it because people understand it's not a one-size-fits-all. Absolutely. Very interesting. Well, it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as the format of this show uh, dictates. Absolutely. First of all, do you notice how succinctly we were able to close that particular piece of yeah. discourse there? Sort of expertise Every, there. Yeah. Every Masterful. guest, yeah, no, it was you, Shalene, because I know I struggle with brevity, but you were able to dovetail that perfectly oh, so we can yeah. move on. It segue was, went seamlessly, I, literally, so. back to the studio. Uh, was all I needed. Uh, I mean, dream guest, can we just have that'd be a dream about, guest, right? It's about to be a real tight episode, it's gonna be yeah. some minimal editing, making it very easy for our producer Saffron to sort out. So, uh, we appreciate you, Charlene. And as our very esteemed guest, we invite you to ask the first question which can be any question you'd like, which we like to discuss for about 15 minutes or some change. Then my producer friend Howard Cohen here would like to pose a question to you, which we'd like to discuss for around the same amount of time. And then as usual, following in your footsteps, I'd like to ask you a question that we'll discuss for about 15 minutes. And then if uh, you'd be so gracious as to let our listeners know where they can find out about your good works, past, present and future. How's that sound? I do feel feel as though the guests should come last though. 
because then they can kind of test the waters not, of where we're going. No. Not going to change the format now, but, in, in, you know, in, in it's nice yeah. Unfortunately, producer overrules uh, anchor in this instance. How is that a poor, is that a poor broadcasting rank? Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, look, totally I, I, worth a try. I'm glad Howard did it because I was like, I'm not telling Charlene no. So, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Howard. I'd love to change it. I'd love to change it, but we're not going to. All right. So, guys, the question I would like to pose is which one of you would like to come and spend the night in a haunted house with me? Mm, good. <laughs> Let's ask for the... <laughs> what made you think of this idea, uh, this question, uh, Charlene? How did that idea... <laughs> well, because we, we, were, we were talking about it on Loose this week. Right. Um, because we were talking about whether or not an estate agent should tell you about the past of a house before they sell it to you. So for instance, whether or not they thought it was haunted or whether or not someone died a very, not very nice death, you know, if there was like an axe murderer living there or what have you, would you want to know before you bought the house or does it make no difference whatsoever? Mm. And if you did know it was haunted, someone believed it was haunted, would you live in it? So would you get, whereas I, I think it'd be quite cool. Mm. This 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 question opens up another question though, which is, do you believe in ghosts or you know? That, and so, do you believe in ghosts, Charlie? Uh, I think it's very naive to think that we're the only souls on the earth. Interesting. I think, yeah. Um, because I think that is our own, you know, our own um, boastfulness that we can possibly think that we are the only things that are here. I have no proof that we're not. Sinetra, um, uh, who of course is a brilliant actress, she gave a story of when she was in the Channel 4 show No Angels. And what she didn't realise is No Angels, before she signed on to do the show, is that No Angels was filmed in a formal mental institution mm. where they used to give um, <laughs> electric shocks to people, there were padded rooms and all this sort, all this stuff, and it freaks them all out. Then they were doing one scene where it was all very quiet and they were filming on the bed, and suddenly, they heard the noise, get out, get out. <laughs> and then that was it. So she'd never believed in ghosts before. And then that happened. No, it did. And she says, you can hear it on camera and you can hear those sounds on camera. So she firmly believes that we are not the only souls on wow. earth. And I just think it'd be quite, it, it's like another version of a roller coaster, I think. <laughs> it's taking the chance and seeing whether or not you survive till the end of the night. Mm. I mean, I'll be up for it, uh, and I, you know, I, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm game. Because uh, Howard, would you would you describe yourself as agnostic, atheist, irreligious? I am, or... I am, I am uh, a skeptical. Um, what do I believe in? I believe I'm hopeful that there's something going on, but I'm not going to live my life by it. And I totally respect people who want to, but for me, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I don't work that way. And so I, I kind of look at the idea of ghosts as something I it's an interesting way that you you phrase that there about souls. I you know to me, that's what they are. Hmm. Mm. Well, I think we all don't like the idea that everything uh of us of us just disappears when we die, right? That's so ghosts are useful for you know, for that. Yeah. But then I, I would I would describe sometimes what we refer to as a paranormal uh, or spiritual activity. Can this be the fact that we just have a understanding of we just have a limited understanding of reality? So, for example, was so you know like with the hadron collider and like the Higgs boson particle, the God particle, hmm. it shows that like the more technology we have to see more subatomic particles, it means we have a more of an understanding of what was there. So before we would think it was like you know protons, electrons, and neutrons, and then as we were able to discover more 
subatomic particles, we discover like quarks. And then if you get more subatomic, you get like the, you know, God particle, whatever. So it could be like, even though we describe it as paranormal activity or spirits, it could just be the fact that there is a wave or maybe within the electromagnetic spectrum that we can't perceive yet. So for example, Howard, you know, when people will go and visit like a concentration camp mm. and even though there's no one physically there, mm. a lot of time there's a palpable feeling that people can feel or they, they're able to connect to some kind of emotion, even though they're not present for it, if you see the site of like an atrocity. And maybe it works the same way in that yeah. you could maybe feel something or, you know, somebody at the time, you know, use an example of the uh, asylum, somebody was experiencing so much pain or agony at the time that whatever they were able to let out, given that there was electrotherapy involved, might have become part of a transverse wave. Well, but that, this taps into the, uh, a thing that is, is, is quite difficult for people to get their heads around, but, but it's very simple. We've got like in the, the smartest people, you know, in terms of science ever, right? Where they've got the most knowledge ever, obviously, because they're the latest version of, yeah. of, of, of science, right? And they still can't work out our brains, right? They, mm. they, they still and are able to work out how these things do what they do, dreams, all manner of things. And so that allows, I think, people to speculate. And, you you know, like you say, you can't say for definite, right, Charlene, that you, you've got... No, you know, no, you can't. You can't. And I, you can it's speculate. interesting about technology. You can speculate. But I look at it in terms of the seabed, for example, mm-hmm. is technology... Um, you know, in the beginning, we couldn't get as deep as we could in the sea. So we kind of thought that the animals that, and the, the you know, not the animals, but, but the fish or what have you that live mm. in the sea only go to a certain point because we didn't have the technology to go even deeper. And the deeper and deeper we go, the more we're learning about the sea, the movement of the sea, you know, the kind of things that live in it and how they fit into um, the process in terms of how how we all live in the world. But that, you know, that technology wasn't necessarily around 150 years ago. So they would have sworn blind that there was nothing else left in the sea. They knew everything there was to know. Put a, a line underneath it. That's it. Full stop. We are done. Mm. But technology improves. We go deeper. We go deeper. We go deeper. We learn more. And I think people sort of assume that some things don't exist purely because the technology fight to find it doesn't exist yet. Because the five senses can't perceive it. We're like... Uh... Because it's like Pluto being a planet and then obviously with the increased um, access to like um, telescopes, then now it's referred to as like a planetoid or like an asteroid because it's not actually a planet itself. It's just part of another orbit. So I hear yeah, that's, that's in terms of like the belief and existence of the uh, paranormal, then that's why I got, I, I'm, I'm open minded to that. But well, I guess more specifically on the question, Charlene, I'd say it depends on the house <laughs> and, who, and who, who the previous tenants were. <laughs> because, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I, I the, the thing about the idea of ghosts and apparitions is that I find it, part of me is that it, like I, f- I think people find it very comforting, the idea that there is still contact or there is still some semblance of form when you pass life. Mm-hmm. But then what that form is, is what troubles me because I don't, I think the idea that we still have some kind of humanoid or corporeal form, like I don't want to walk around with a penis after I died, innit? Like I have what, no, what use do I have for it, having a penis or, you know, because I think it's the way that in popular culture we represent ghosts is like this idea that we reappear in it with this like uh, spectral glow mm. and it's yeah, like electromagnetic yeah, version. Yeah. And if you were in a wheelchair your whole life, are you supposed to have a wheelchair in the afterlife and like an, a, a ghost wheelchair? Like surely you should be able to float. Or if you're someone who has Down syndrome, you know, which is genetic, which mm. has no real bearing on you, who you are as a person spiritually, are you supposed to take that same form? But you may want to. It's no, if you want to, yeah. If, if you want yeah, to, it's not me saying it's like a detriment, but I'm saying... But it's, it's, it's like you, Dane. In, yeah. your spiritual, in your spiritual form, you may want to have hair. 
Yeah. So, you yeah, know, it's true. in your ghostly form, you may decide, do you know what? Uh, this whole not having any hair balding thing, I didn't like it in the real world. So now I'm back with full hair. I'm going to have like this full mane. That's true. But then I, but then I wonder, yeah. Charlene, should I not be free of that kind of self-image or thinking that my look of hair is a reflection of me being old. Because I need, I can have the hair, but do I go to a ghost barber to cut it? So, oh, and, and then, you know, and also, irrespective of the, the thing about having ghost hair is irrespective of the texture, hands can always go through it because it's just, mm. it's spectral hair, isn't it? So ghosts probably have to set the best texture of hair because anyone can put right. their fingers through ghost hair. So that's definitely something to consider. And maybe these are good questions for a seance. But I think, like, I'm happy... Oh, have we moved on to seances now? Well, this is the thing. That's what we're doing in this house for a night together. Uh, this is what I'm saying. So, for example, the Charlie, some way. In, in the example you gave, somebody uh-huh. heard someone say, get out. Now, for me, I don't need to be told that twice. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if I enter a home and a spirit or something I can't perceive says, get out, for me, that's like, I've encroached on your habitat and I respect your space. And I'm going to leave. I'll have a conversation with the estate agent and the lawyers, but... You've, you've asked, you made a request, I should follow it. I, should, I just feel like I'm always, if it was up to me, any horror film I'm in is going to be about 90 seconds long because as soon as I get the first direction from a ghost, leave. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> Give it a try. <laughs> Back to the drawing board. Yeah. Why, 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 why provoke? Why provoke? But um, yeah. So, so I when, just... I, when, I was, when we were sort of looking to buy a house, our, our family house, we first bought together, me and my other half, and we looked at a house that overlooked a cemetery Mm-hmm. So every window you looked out from the back of the house, all you saw were graveyards. Cool. Um, because it started right at the end of your garden, basically was the graveyard, and it wasn't that long a garden. And we both felt a bit uncomfortable. The house is beautiful, beautiful. Mm. I thought, I, I just I just can't. That's just like a step too far for me, because that's a lot of souls that may not be happy with life. Who may yeah. well decide to also, hang out with you. Yeah, but also, if you've got a dog, that's going to get really complicated, isn't it? Yeah, because you don't know what they're barking at. Yeah, yeah there you go. That, that, I'm, not point, yeah. Yeah, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. Good point, well made. <laughs> you know, What's and it? who knows? Who knows the garden could once have been part of the cemetery. You can imagine, like, you're digging and putting flowers in or maybe pulling out a tree or something. Yeah. And then... You ooh, disturb someone's yeah, grave. Like, but see, that's the thing, Charlene, is that, like, if, if that's a possibility, my... The concern I have more than that is the fact that these these souls are existing in between limbo and whatever has caused this um this prolonged presence on earth what's what's doing it I'd rather be able to find out or identify why they still continue to remain on this plane of existence and what we can do to get them off because even I'm just thinking even of my own life as a ghost, I would hate to still have require closure. Or some uh, some aspects of my life that would mean I'm still a ghost and haunting would somebody. Would you haunt? Would you haunt people who have wronged you? Would you enjoy that? I'm not sure because I'm not sure. Like a lot of people that annoy me, I reckon when I consider the typical character profile of most people that annoy me, they don't really respect or appreciate like the afterlife as it is. So it'd be kind of a waste of time. I mean, whoever would make money from them, it wouldn't be me. Because then I think, would you rather be haunting people for revenge or people that tormented you? Or would you rather spend time with people you care about? But then I think, you know, if my grandmother was to come back, there's a lot of things I could be doing in private times that my grandmother doesn't need to see. And so that's what I'm saying realistically, you know, when I see people say, I know my grandma's watching over you all the time. I'm like, I hope she's not watching us what we're doing right now. 
Is that not cool? Yeah, that's not. I mean, it's not 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 bad, but it's probably not something for your grandma to see. You know? No. Yeah. No. So. This is what I mean with the whole ghost thing, but because I guess, is it haunted or occupied? Is the, I guess there's a difference between a haunted and an occupation because sometimes a ghost might just be like, I'm just hearing it. This is where I always was. And I just like taking a walk around the house. If I was aware of that, I could probably be like, Do you know what? I don't necessarily consider that haunted. It's <laughs> if that person, if that apparition is trying to communicate with me or if right. they're trying to express their torment, that's more of a haunting because, you know, if I knew that there were spirits or what the, or whatever people refer to them to poltergeist and they're like, that were in our home and they weren't bothering me. Like I had a pet and they kept the pet company when I was at work or away. Yeah. You know? I reckon you should move into a haunted house. I think you'd really enjoy hanging I just, out. Yeah, I just, I just think, you know, encroaching on habitats and habitat destruction is a problem that human beings already have. And for me, it's just like, if these ghosts are there and they've been there before me, who am I to tell these people where to go? And also, you know, it's paying it forward. I'd like to provide the opportunity to give these people peace and closure so they can pass on because I'd want the same to be done for me. But like I said, that's depending on the house and the circumstances <laughs> under which someone has passed away. I think I think okay. estate agents should disclose it, but I think it should be a part of, you should check someone's uh, spiritual disposition first in the same way that, you know, someone may have certain pronouns. You should know their spiritual disposition before you have to divulge it to them. Some people might not care. Well, it's the idea if you're going to say to someone, hey, uh, you're going to live above this butcher, you vegetarian. I mean, they're not. Mm-hmm. They're, you're gonna to want to know that in advance of coming to the flat. I know, right? but in London, they probably go. So yeah, we can true. get we get we can get like five grand off then. Because <laughs> that's the thing in like with London house pricing. I don't at this point in time. I don't think haunting is holding people back. I think if you told somebody that you know yeah. a demonic spirit dwells within this three bedroom terrace house, they'd be like, well, that's about two grand off. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe just wave that stand duty. Yeah. So I think nowadays the housing crisis is, is bad enough that probably people... find an, uh, an estate agent who specializes in haunted places. I think, exactly. Uh... I, think, I think you could. Yeah. I think I think there's a niche market in there, Charlene. I think if now if you know that people will probably pay for making me an inferior house based on the fact that it's haunted, I think there'd be like spiritual estate agents that would yeah, be like that's, you know that's not a bad show, actually. They'd yeah. be like it's south facing windows, however. Those who look out onto an ancient Indian burial ground. Now, <laughs> I'm not completely familiar with which particular tribe, but it will save you. <laughs> but they have to ask for note for, for planning permission and for a seance and a sacrifice of a goat to be made beforehand. And the people will be like, hmm. Yeah. Would you, would you, have, you, have you ever spent the night in a, in a haunted house uh, deliberately or have you been in a house and been like, that's, that's weird? I haven't, but I'm quite keen to. It might be fun. I'm only going with Charlene. I can't go with any randoms because I don't know what skeletons they have in their closet, what <laughs> transgressions they may have committed against the spiritual world. I know at least Charlene has a pure heart. So, you know, there'll be, a, there'll be a conversation at least if I see some kind of apparition. I'm oh, like, yeah, I'm here with Charlene. Because <laughs> I love Stranger Things. I love watching horror and stuff like that. And I would love to just be in like a really dark house with not that much lighting and you spend the night and just see what happens. Maybe do a seance like Dana suggested, but I'd I'd love to just do that and see how I would feel. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at Burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at Burrow.com slash ACAST. Well, it was a very, very good question, wasn't it, Dane? We've never had question, that yeah. question before. Real fresh question. We haven't done a lot of ghost stuff on this show. So, Charlene, you... you Howard, you, you, were, you were cynical. Wow. Yeah, it's very good. Howard, you were cynical, but I don't feel like you'd be like, I'll go into a haunted house, I don't care. Blah, 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 blah. I'd, I'd love to be able to say the phrase, I ain't afraid of no ghosts, but we know that would be a, that would be a lie. That would be a lie. So I was going to ask a question today where I just basically wanted you just to make fun of Dane as a teenager, Shine. But I feel it's a waste because we haven't had a we haven't had a guest on who's <laughs> who's known Dane as a teenager. But maybe we'll get some of that later. Uh, I feel it's a waste of someone of your experience and expertise to just you know pose you a question uh, like uh, how silly was Dane as a teenager, but. My question has to relate to your job because, you know, your job's pretty interesting, right? Well, I've got millions. I think there's a, there's a lot of things you do. I think, obviously, as a news presenter, as a, as a, as a news broadcaster, I think that's one of your... That would be like the big job. staple yeah. of your... Yeah, yeah. That's been the big, big, big core part. And I think that used to be quite a boring job. About a decade ago, it used to be quite a boring job. I think maybe it was interesting... But it was it was a little bit why dull. Why do you think and then it was the in- dull? Oh, I'll tell you why. It's quite I'm quite logical. I've thought this through a little bit. Yeah. I'm not just I'm not just making this up on okay. But like before the internet and social media gave everyone an opinion uh, that you had to hear, and it was kind of like waves of opinion in different ways to what there used to be when we did it on the internet. News people were kind of it was very trusted in a different way. It was it had a it had a lack of analysis, and also there weren't as many options. And now you've got a million options, almost entirely on the internet, but obviously in TV as well. So my question to you is, this job that you do, do you like it? Because uh, it looks to me <laughs> like, wow, that looks like a difficult job. Oh, I'm glad you've said that. Most people sit, sort of say, don't you just sit there and read the autocue that other people have written for you? And that's not at all. It's, a, no, it's an interesting point, especially how it says, and you know, which Charlene also alluded to, is that, I was literally having this conversation yesterday with somebody that I was like, people view the news in the same way they viewed the weather as it, it's like a resource that comes naturally from the earth in that the news is just a function of what happens in the earth, in the world is reported as it, as, as it happens. Mm. And that's it. Like the idea that news can have political leanings and agendas and biases and racial and financial biases. Most people don't even consider that. They just think, well, it happened. So that's how they report it. Like would that, yeah. objectively so and particularly this last decade charlie we've yeah. had such oh, I mean, honestly it's been never it's been never ending all, all the different things that have happened in the world globally everything that's happened globally it, it just feels as though it's all become very compact within the last 10 years it's just that you kind of get to the end of one thing before you've even managed to finish taking a breath something else happens and you're just going and going and going and going that feels there's been zero downtime in that news cycle which is which is busiest than busiest that i have ever known it 
and I've, you know, mm. I've been involved in news over, over 20 years. Right. It does feel relentless at the moment. But in terms of do, do I like my job? Yeah. I've wanted to do it since my, my mid-teens, as, as they will know. I wanted to, I actually originally wanted to be a lawyer. For mm. years I wanted to be a lawyer because my uncle had been jailed for something he didn't do. And I wanted to fight on behalf of people who tend to be left behind. Um, but then I went to Croydon Crown Court for work experience and fell asleep in court because it really wasn't like it was on the telly. Uh, I was sort of expecting <laughs> to walk into court and it was all like LA law and stuff and all like oh, great what speeches. A, what and... a classic, what a classic <laughs> show. I love that classic. show. Classic. So that's good show. what I wanted to do. And what was the other show uh, with Candice Bergen? Was it Candice Bergen in, um, in another, another law-based show? Because obviously there was LA law. Obviously Alan Mab- law and Order. Law and Order? No, Law and Order came after LA law. Alan, Alan Mabil came a bit after as well. But LA yeah, like yeah. Law, and that's that's what I wanted to do. I sort of wanted to feel like I was fighting for people through this performance, but then went to Croydon Crown Court, and it was all parking tickets and all that sort of stuff. I was like, this is not for me. So I decided I wanted to right. change the world by telling people stories, and that's what I've, I've done ever since I was sixteen. And I, I genuinely love what I do. News, you know, runs through me. Uh, I can't wake up in the morning and not catch up on what's been happening in the world. Immediately, I roll over. Even when, like, breastfeeding my kids when they were younger, I'd literally roll <laughs> over with breastfeeding them, checking my, my feed and checking the news sites to see what's been happening in the world. There's also a Caribbean, almost like flippant um, suggestion from parents all the time, is that, you yeah. know, as reluctant as they were to give you access to the TV, you watch TV and they'd be like, don't your children watch the news? And you'd be like, yeah. And then, you know, you get that one day where you, you give it a go and you're like, well, okay, that's actually, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna make sense. I, I, no, because I think it took. I I didn't really even pay attention to the news until I until uh, the first Gulf War was when I probably mm. paid attention to the news. Mm. And um, on reflection, probably was news which would have had a much more of a right wing leaning. But at the time, I think you know with, with an inflated economy and uh, you know I think America appeared to be in a better state in terms of its not as many news channels. But this is kind of like. In the advent of like cable news and stuff like that, I remember, and I, I think well, one of the key things was the fact that Desert Storm was being led by uh, Colin Powell. It was the first time I'd seen like a black general and was working alongside Norman Schwarzkopf. Right. And um, yeah, I was just like, this is interesting. I, I, and you know, you know, maybe today some people might look back at that as being some level of like imperialist propaganda because at the time I was like, go America, hooray, we're being Saddam is evil and defeat scud missiles and stuff like that as well. Like, I mean, and I was like, we got a black general. It's got to be good. <laughs> I didn't really, at the time, I didn't realise about the scorched earth policy. And so, but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does go back to, to what Han was saying about the changes in the last sort of 10 years. I think mm. American networks have always worked very differently from us in terms mm. of, but and that's because the rules are different. On, on UK broadcasters historically, and not historically, we've always been governed by Ofcom rules, so we have to be impartial in a way that the print media doesn't have to be. Obviously, now you've got other news channels who see those rules in a slightly different way and balance things out across the day as opposed to per show, which is what it has been um, before. But I think what we are increasingly seeing is that if we don't have that diversity behind the camera with the producers, not just on camera, I think with a lot of time, I think we're, we're going through a, a period, but yes, on screen is important, but off screen is even more so because the way that we see stories, if everybody comes from the same place, the way we see stories will always come from one person's perspective. So Ethiopia in the famine, for example, in a newsroom now, that story would be told very different from how it was told mm-hmm. in the 80s because you have um, uh, you would hope you've got newsrooms that are full of people that aren't just, you know, 
middle class posh white guys um you know you'll have newsrooms that are full of people who whose families come from the african continent and will tell that story in a slightly different way who would see for instance the lyrics from uh, bob geldof's charity single all those sorts of things people would ask questions of that as they have done in the last five to ten years because you realize you can't tell the stories in the same way it's doing a disservice to the viewers who are watching it it can't just come from one person's perspective that's what's been exciting i think over the last decade because those voices who would talk about the imbalance of language and the stories we choose and how we tell them those voices weren't always heard increasingly they are being heard because of social media you may well have an editor Mm. who will instinctively go oh no that's not even a story and they'll say no to something that actually the public want to hear about. And you can see that through through social media. That's kind of why I say to you, do you enjoy your job? Because there's this scenario that the previous generations of people who did that job just didn't have to encounter, which is, do I create a public presence for myself external to the thing I'm reading, right? And and so if you, did, if you didn't do that, if you just did you, what they told you to read, right, then everyone would be like, well, this person... They sit there and read all this stuff, but you never really hear what they think, right? But that's what social media permitted. To a point, because I my impartiality rules cover mm-hmm. and govern right. everything I do. So I am still impartial politically, for instance, online, because that is part of my job, my right. public persona, irrespective of what I'm doing. And you'll see that when I also present on Loose as well. I am impartial because I'm a journalist first and everything else second. That's why I wondered if you still enjoyed your job yeah. because you obviously do have opinions. No, that's what I'm getting at. So you obviously do enjoy your job, but like you do have opinions, but but the fact that you're, the job you do kind of means that, you know, if I went through your Twitter feed, for instance, just, you know, that, that you I'd find you discussing, let's use the word discussing, things but you obviously can't kind of go out and be like well this that's is not my job my job and what i love is you know i was i was in debating society at school for example which is why i show like loose very good for me i i you know i used to they teach us debating skills they teach us to fight for things we didn't necessarily believe in they gave us those skills we to see both sides of a story that was laid out and then people would vote on on whose argument they felt was the strongest so what i love is laying out facts to people, um, educating people on various subjects, and then they can make their own opinions about it. That's the part of my job. Oh, it must be exhausting. It must be absolutely That's exhausting. That's the part of my job I love. That is mm. honestly, but I'm not yeah. a commentator. I've never set myself out to be a commentator because what I love about my job is also educating myself mm. on subjects as well. So I, you know, there's so many different you know, things within world affairs, for instance, especially politically where world affairs are concerned, that I have to educate myself on to be able to break it down in in a way that, that an audience can can enjoy and understand whilst also educating them as well. I think it's the beauty of I will give everything to you, you can make your own opinion, as opposed to me using my voice in a way that's biased and is unbalanced because the mm. it's you know as as consumers as viewers as readers they deserve and that's why the Ofcom rules exist they deserve to be given the full picture and then they can make their minds up about something because you can see in the states where it broadcasting is very different if you only watch one particular news channel say fox news for example you are only ever getting one point of view 24 7 and you never, ever see the other side of the story. And that's doing a disservice to a population, I believe. Mm. 
Yeah. It's also interesting that when you reference that particular station, uh, the inability to include facts in what they talk about is um, is one of the most shocking elements and, and of it. And it's dangerous. Yeah. The suffix is news and, and in a, uh, during the, when, uh, so I think, I believe it's the Dominion machines that were used for the voting, they have countersued mm. Fox News. And part of their counter argument is that they're not actually a news channel that's involved in journalism or dissemination of the truth. Mm. So that's part, that's actually part of their defense. <laughs> And even some of the oh, senators yeah. that also um, accused Dominion of voter fraud have also used the defence. Only an idiot who watches t- Fox News would take us seriously. I'll cover that in my question. And that's, but that's why we sort of have to be very proud. And I know that as news providers, they haven't always got it right and they still don't always get it right. But the rules that exist here exist for a reason. And our, I think we should be really proud of the rules that we have here because we're able to still do things in a balanced way and allow people to make their minds up about things rather than, you know, essentially propaganda. And as we know from history, propaganda is exceptionally dangerous. And if our news providers were to go down a propaganda route, you know, it's not for the greater good and news should be for the greater good. I I have felt a new level of understanding for what you do in your job. Because I find it fascinating because like I am pretty obsessive guy when it comes to certain trends of the news you know the, what, what's been going on recently at time of recording around the january the 6th uh, events i think it's the greatest true crime story ever uh and uh piece it's just been a I mean, not a joy uh, but it's been fascinating to witness it and i just think god it must be a challenging job, but thank you for it's answering. It's a lovely question, Howard. It's, good, it's, good, it's a great question. Yeah, I like my job too, but it's far less serious. And uh, hey, my job isn't always really... serious. I can have lots of fun. That's why I do loose swimming because that provides a balance for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, do you know <laughs> what? Right, you said. Um, Dane, over to you, buddy, for the final question of today. Well, I mean, I think so. the questions have been so good, and again, uh, brevity and keeping things succinct is definitely a skill that Charlene has. It's one of the challenges that maybe a little bit more now. Um, obviously, um, Howard has discussed the fact that, you know, the uh, nature of the job title has changed significantly and the landscape of uh, journalism has changed in the advent of social media. So one thing I've noticed a lot of the time, especially with journalists and uh, broadcasters, is that there seems to be like a, na- a natural, I guess, progression or transition into maybe having like one-on-one interviews and a lot of these being very significant, whether it's like Piers Morgan speaking to Donald Trump, Prince Andrew's interview. Uh, Oprah speaking to Meghan Markle and you know obviously with your uh, skill that you show on Loose Women as well I think it'd be a matter of time before you uh, move into that same space as Trevor McDonald and you know it's an evening with or conversations with Charlene White. Just to clarify I mean are the ITV commissioners listening because guys you're pitching a lot of shows. That yeah listen I'll send this to them. Yeah, yeah. I'll send how, it how to them. Pull a few strings here and there but Okay. I think for most fans of you like ourselves, I think this is a matter of time before we get the in-depth scoops and exclusives with Charlene White. So for me, that's a dead cert. My question is, as I'm sure the commissioners are listening, they say we're gonna we're gonna start off with a with a little ten episode season. Charlene. <laughs> Money produced is no, by my, Howard Cohen. Produced by Howard Alice Cohen. Is, I'm just writing the pitch down. Excellent. I'll go to do the warm-up before the show, so when the guests are in, I'll do a little bit of warm-up as well. <laughs> Hell, I'll even exec produce. I believe you that much, Charlene. I put some of my own money down. All I need to know is, for the first 10 episodes, blank checkbook, who would you like your first 10 oh guests to be on your goodness. show? 10? You want me to list 10? Okay, well, let's just let's just name some and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see where and we if get things to. are going well, which I'm sure they yeah. are, 
Then me and Howard are going to shop with another duffel bag full of money just to finish <laughs> up the season. Um, well, gosh, uh, we've well, said a couple of them there. Actually, I would, I would love as somebody who who is married, who married into the royal family, and a woman who is of mixed heritage, but you know, knowing the one drop policy in America is known as Black Meghan Markle. Obviously, was was interviewed by a black woman in the states, that being Oprah. We have yet to see Meghan Markle be interviewed by on a big, big budget one on one situation with a a black woman, a black British woman, on our screens here. And I think there's something to be said for perspective and questions and from a position of knowledge when you have when you are a minority in the UK and interviewing someone else who is a minority that's come into what is the royal family in the UK i think the nuances that could be involved in an interview like that i think would be pretty powerful and having to, having having two children of that lineage as well who are now exactly. mixed anyway How, however Politically, or however, like you know, the crown has determined people haven't got title on a biological level. Black people are very, very clearly in the royal family now, and some of the well, uh, yeah. And I think it's questions. There's something to be said. You know, if you're a black British woman and you're interviewing somebody such as Meghan Markle, you can ask questions such as, you know, how do you feel about sort of bringing up mixed race children within a society? that is quite classist and has the royal family at, at the top and it's very different to being in the States. It's like asking those questions from a point, position of knowledge and feeling comfortable asking those questions. And so, you know, that that's who I would absolutely love to be able to, to interview. I'm really lucky, but I've interviewed already two of my big must-haves in my list. Um, and that's Jay-Z. So I did Jay-Z when I was nice. at Radio 1 and 1 Extra and that was everything you'd hope it would how, be. How, was, that, was that pre-marriage? Or post-marriage? <laughs> I don't oh, remember. Uh, me. I'm not saying I'm not... For who? Charlene or for Jay-Z? <laughs> um, Jay-Z, was, it, was, it, was, it was post-marriage. What? Uh, why? Do you think it would be a different interview if it was pre-marriage? Oh, yeah, I think, I think you know, his perspective is very changed. I Jay-Z asked me out. No, he didn't, because he uh-huh. was very happy married at the time. The, the people wanted to know, Charlene. Everyone wanted, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to ask uncomfortable questions. Just do my own <laughs> podcast journalism right now. <laughs> Um, and the other person that I was very lucky to, to interview before she passed was Maya Angelou. And Maya oh, that's Angelou, amazing. That's, yeah. so, that's so cool. Wow. I was raised on a diet of her books in my teens. My mum and my aunt made sure that I had a Maya Angelou education where literacy was concerned. Um, and I was able to interview her in my mid-twenties before she passed. And it was a pretty incredible moment for me. I think for me, when it comes to sit-downs and doing one-to-one interviews in that setting. I think, you know, if you're doing it for something like a really big commercial broadcast, you kind of have to go for the big names that are known, well-known across the country already. Whereas my natural position is always to sort of bring new people to the table, I I, I guess. You know, to be able to do Mm. people like Bell Hooks before she passed away, for instance. Um, To, you know, to sort of sit down and perhaps do like an Alicia Keys or a Swiss Beats. And Swiss Beats is doing incredible things in terms of producing TV programmes and bringing programmes to screen that historically wouldn't have been there with the the quality of which they exist now. I think Versus has been a revolutionary idea in format. I'd love to to sit down with Issa Rae. All of these... That was five, wasn't it? I think that's already... See, Howard, that was five. That wasn't hard. Issa Rae, Kazim Dean, Meghan Markle, Jay-Z, Sean Carter, and Maya Angelou. That's five easily, Charlene. That's five easily. Really, I wanted to make this a 12-episode season like it should have been. And you know what? Yeah, that five was way too easy. 
Seven more, please. <laughs> can, I, can I give you one? Can I give you one? Because I was thinking about, I was listening to some music the other day and I was thinking, God, I really don't, nowadays, I don't feel like we hear from this person. It would be very interesting to you, which is, which is, uh, original name is Anna May Bullock. Yeah. I don't know if you know that, but she is known yeah. as Tina Turner. Rich. Um, and don't you think it's weird that we don't hear much from Tina Turner? Is there, is there a reason? Her documentary, which she was part of, that was on... Was it before, yeah. I watched, I watched it. I saw yeah. it. I saw it in oh, she was just incredible. Yeah. I feel like right. that was her last hurrah mm. to sort of say, I'm laying right. down what happened in my life from me because it can't come from anybody else other than me. This is my life. This is my music. These are things I'm proud of. This is what I went through. And now I'm done. Because I believe she lives in Switzerland now and lives a really lovely life. Yeah. I would absolutely adore to sit down with, adore it. I'd love to sit down with Dan Ross, for example. You know, these big names who have done, oh, sit downs over the years, but sort of in the sphere we're living in now and kind of, you know, where we have so many different platforms, I would absolutely love to be able to do stuff like that. But but, but the question is whether or not consumers of media, consumers of broadcasting want to sit down and do that for an hour. I'm always very very mindful of giving a newer generation of consumers, you know, the, I want them to, to get the information in the way that they would like to receive it, because we have to also make sure that they are educated, despite the fact that they are used to looking at things in clips. I would love them to love to give them something in a way that they are getting educated they are learning like when it comes to music my god we grew up with with live music on our tv screens so often yes we had to have the pops and all of those all that mm. music now i think at one point it was just andrew Marshall show on a sunday morning that you could see any music being played live yeah. it's like this is the position that we're in at the moment maybe, maybe jules holland maybe jules holland on a friday and that yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, they're missing. I feel like kind of the nuances that you get from watching a band play live, watching your favourite performer play live and sitting down and having like an elongated chat with them and finding about uh, about the producers, finding out where that hook came from. How do they realise that that hook from that track that, that comes from way back in the 50s and 60s, what inspired them to use that? And I sort of feel like, those sorts of programs where you sit down and you talk to people and you get to know them, that's the beauty of, of broadcasting and what I do, journalism. And that's what you guys do now with podcasts. Mm. It's in. Oh, God, what? I mean, we, well, we had some yeah, very wait, good wait, 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 Howard, because Charlie can but, get there. Um, We've got like maybe three more. <laughs> uh, Adele. Yeah, Adele. There you go. I'd love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Donald Trump, I would love. Oh, really? Again, it comes from yeah. interviewing him from a black female perspective. When you are, when you are the right, one that's right. the interviewer. That's the people that finally defeated him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dave, 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 Nobody's done more for black people than Donald Trump. He reminded you, reminded this black people guy. constantly. Come over here. <laughs> yeah. Look at this guy right here. He, he loves, he loves being here. <laughs> I think be, but is it, no, but it, it makes for a good. It's interesting because it makes for a good interview because I think a lot of the time there's this weird singularity focus on the ideology of Donald Trump when a lot of these ideologies aren't Donald Trump's themselves. Maybe through his uh, populist methods, he's allowed them to kind of have a resurgence. But white supremacists were thriving in America way before Donald Trump was around. Domestic terrorism took place way before Donald Trump was around. Like you know, with the uh, 
the bombings, but, but done by Timmy Moon, McVeigh, and mass shootings were happening before Donald Trump. So can't just necessarily attribute these things to him alone. So no, 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 no. no. But but I think I, I do I do find him fascinating. Yeah. You know, I may not agree with It's his... the most fascinating yeah. person ever, arguably. I mean, I, I, you it want really to speak is. to the person who has essentially brought down America. So... No, America that's a, that's was how I able feel. to do that. By you itself. Know, American, well, Amer- you know, America is a very interesting country. It's a very interesting continent. And the decisions that they make historically and now will always be endlessly fascinating. The history of that country is the reason why it's in the position that it's in. Yeah, well, they, yes, yeah. Donald Trump expedited certain things mm. but you can see if you plot the history of america where it came from when it was created and where it is now guys are going to very yeah it's, it's fair to say in argument that donald trump is more of a product of america than america is a product of donald trump yeah yeah no in, yeah. in terms of the fact yeah. that like when That's people describe true. his mannerisms and conduct it's like how americans think a billionaire with unchecked power plus with the power of heterosexual cisgender white male privilege should behave and so are we surprised that someone who has been coddled in that uh protection for so many years mm-hmm. has that kind of a uh, psychological uh, disposition i've got three more for you denzel washington i would definitely love to i, I find denzel okay. a fascinating guy and you never hear you never hear okay. enough you know i, I want to hear more okay. what he thinks about life i don't feel like i hear that much from him personally but and all, still probably my favorite actor yeah, he's definitely in my top. Who's your number two? Three, four actors. Uh, yeah. Well, my other two yeah. for your show. Oh, easy. We're going to do a double episode. It's going to be a double feature episode. And we're going to have two doors. In in one door is going to come Will Smith. In the other door is going to come Chris Rock. And you are going to sort that all out. Because that's going to roll on. Charlene's pouch. You know, if people who think that's over or wrong, that is definitely rolling on. I might have to be three people because, you know, Louis Farrakhan is normally who people employ to broker these truces kind of thing. I think he'd be an interesting interview, person to interview at the moment. Louis Farrakhan? Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a family member who became Nation of Islam when I was in my, my, mid, my mid-teens. Um, and so the, the Nation of Islam and, and Louis Farrakhan have been an endless fascination mm. um, because at that point, you remember, you remember, Dane, would be in Lewisham and they would be leafleting outside yeah. the shopping centre yeah, during inside, that yeah. time. Yep. Yeah, and they were fairly heavily recruiting at that time. And you found that everyone knew at least one person who who had converted to Nation of Islam. Um, they don't tend to recruit in the same way as they did before, but I do find it. Um, fascinating and I know it's not you know they are a different beast here from what they are in the states but but no less interesting so I do agree with you on that um my my other one would be um Prince Charles there you go and I know I know that some people believe that the mysticism surrounding the royals should exist and that aids their longevity but I would love to do a sit down with him before he before the inevitable and that's him becoming king really I feel like we are in an era yes where William and Kate do very well with um you know engaging with with younger audiences but um I think it'd be really lovely to sit down with um with Prince Charles for a bit of a natter well, I'm going to draw up the paperwork for this show, and I'll just get. BB, I'll just send it to ITV directly. They'll, they'll sign I, it off. ITV no is coming soon. We'll, yeah. They want to get that content ready to, to go. Yeah, so I think this is all looking very Guys, promising. I love this brainstorming sesh we've been having here regarding the show, and I think it should take place in a haunted house. 
<laughs> yeah, it's the precinct of the way. Like, like a list of prospective titles and stuff. That'd be great. I've already worked it out. Actually, now it's going to be called "What's Haunting You" with Charlene. <laughs> love <laughs> and, that. Love, and, love and that's love. and that's why you know. Chris Rock comes in. What's been haunting you, Chris? Uh, and it's like these fucking memes, mate, all day. These, me- um, but <laughs> what a brilliant guest Charlene has been, Dane. And obviously, you knew that because you, you absolutely know very well. I've, I've known Dane. My my best story regarding Dane is standing in our friend Dion's kitchen, and Dane was like, "Charlene, I think I want to be a comedian." And I was like, "Oh, that's nice." Bearing in mind, Dane had not made me laugh once in all the time that I'd known him, but I was like, oh! I'll take that. I'll take that hard. It's like almost patting his head. Oh, that's nice. Bless. There you see. Um, But he he believed in himself and fought for it and and has done it. And I'm insanely proud of him. It it means a lot. He's an anomaly in the Matrix, uh, I think. Every time I hear something like that about Dane, I'm like, I don't know how this guy's... (laughs) Does this guy exist? Like this is because so much in our world, Charlie. Yeah. You know, in the comedy world, like these people have been. It's 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 in the family. It's in the DNA. Well, we've of got the drama so, schools and all the yeah. such. Drama yeah. school, yeah, whatever. It's loads of normal roots, uh, which I would say. I say no, it's 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 because it's, not a, it's normal. Normal roots, conventional roots. But, but there you go, conventional type of person. But that, but that's the thing is that it's um I think to prosper in a creative uh, endeavor. You have to think unconventionally. And also, I guess it's, I'd like to think that it's not just a uh, job for me. It's um, it's a philosophy. It's a philosophy. It's uh, because obviously it's allowed me to uh, transition into doing this as well and taking the social commentary element of it to learn yeah. more about people because it all feeds into comedy and stuff as well. But you have been such a great guest, Charlie. And honestly, it helps my faith in, in what we're putting out into the world with news and stuff to hear the way you've talked about Oh, today. that's so, very uh, kind. Yeah, thank thank you. you. It's great. And and where can our listeners, Charlene, find out more about your great works, past, present and future, as well as being objective and without bias? Exactly that. Uh, all over ITV News. Uh, I'll pop up once or twice a week on Least Women. And I have a um, a column in the iPaper um, every two weeks. Uh, so succinct. I love this kind of I guest. Just God, talking there you go. That's all you need. So that's all you need sometimes. Get must get be to the point. Great. I mean, you're my dream wife in some ways because you know it's. Tell me what you need me to do. Right. It's these three sentences. Get great. it done. I'll see you in a bit. Uh, well, yeah. if anything, yeah, yeah. Howard, you can form at least a working marriage with Charlie once we get this show commissioned. <laughs> there you go. Like what he did there. See you again soon for the records pilot. I imagine. Uh, or are we going straight to serious? I, don't, I think we go straight, straight to serious. I think this has been a great litmus test already, and just what the way. Charlene bounced off the two of us as well as you know her considerable body of work it should be a done deal so and if not Charlene fuck it we'll take it to the the platform streaming platforms get to that digital fan base like like you look at Piers Morgan now and he went from printing false pictures to now basically having his own network and part of me feels like that was always the plan with him for every shade of dark, there's got to be some light. So if Piers Morgan gets his platform, Charlene White gets her platform too. Uh, enjoy the sunshine. And have a wonderful uh, party over the weekend. I hope the guests have fun. Um, say hi to the family for me. Thank you, you too. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. Our guest was Charlene White. You can follow Charlene on Instagram at Charlene White. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Dane Snaptiste. 
and at the Howard Cohen. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE Podcast and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Insanity Group. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.